Oh, fuck. I didn't even think to look up a way to say Mr. in a different name or a different language. It's been over a month, probably a month and a half since we've last recorded. Yeah, it feels like a long time. And if I'm being completely honest, I feel like we recorded an episode and I didn't upload it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I think the last one we did, I don't think I ever got around to doing it. Uh, for good reason. For those of you who may not have heard, my father passed away. Uh, I also finally finished Madison's Way and released... Well, didn't release it, but submitted it to a shit ton of festivals. Um, did the cast and crew screening. Mr. Rainwater got to check it out. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the possible topics that we could discuss tonight if you really want to. Uh, I feel like I need to watch it, like, another... Probably two times because I have thoughts, but I'm what I feel like after other viewings would sort of accentuate what my thoughts are regarding it. That's fair, but at the same time, I also pulled it down. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> okay. So, so long and the short, we were supposed to have a screening um, on a Saturday night, last Saturday night, so roughly a week ago. Yeah, and. Then it got rained out because we were going to do it in my backyard. I got a whole inflatable screen and I got the projector set up and the surround sound and all this shit. Just rained the entire day, so I canceled it. And this was weeks in planning. And the problem with... It it was the same problem with creating a a premiere as it was to schedule making a film, which is scheduling everybody to be available at the same place, the same time, the same day, yada, yada, yada. So to wait another month, month and a half to my cast and crew just felt unfair. So yeah. I just uploaded it to uh, online in a private link. And I sent it to all of them. And I was like, listen, I'm not going to make you wait. Here you go. And then when I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, well, there's other people that I know that are going to be wanting to check this out. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to shoot it to them. And you <sighs> might as well let them check I it out. I appreciate it. I was super excited. <laughs> I was... Uh, Gleeful. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it delivered on the expectations because if I'm being completely honest, nobody has given me like a, a reaction. Do nobody you want, has, uh, do you want a reaction? A, good or bad. I want okay. you to be honest. I don't give a yeah, fuck yeah. that we're on air. I'm very yeah, I, curious I, to I, know just I am happy general... to give you a totally honest reaction to, to Madison's way. Um, I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with the positives, which was overall I liked it. Uh, I was entertained, and I had I had one of those moments watching it where I wasn't really paying attention to the fact that I was watching something. Does that make sense? Where it's you like you were enveloped in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I felt immersed in it pretty quickly, and um, I really like. Uh, the the actor who plays at Madison is really like fantastic. I really oh. liked her performance. It was great. Um, I really enjoyed the overall story. I thought it was. I know that you had originally pitched it as a dark comedy, and it there are some comedic parts, mm-hmm. but it is more on. I would say. I mean, it's almost more like satire, right? Where it's just like you're kind of. Without giving too much away, like I feel like a lot of the story is just about sort of interactions between men and women and expectations between men and women. Absolutely. And um, plays off of that with a premise that's very 
like kind of over the top in a way, even though sure. it's very grounded, right? That's what's really, that's what I thought was really interesting about this story is like this could actually happen, <laughs> but it's such an over the top premise, you know? Like, right? Yeah. That's such an interesting. That's an interesting, like, con, uh, contrast or dichotomy. I don't know what word to use, but it's just like an interesting kind of tension to the film. Um, I would say that there were a couple of shots that I felt like sort of broke me out of the movie a little bit. And mm. it was only shots. Like there weren't other, I can't think of too many things where it was, I can't think of anything where it was like, like none of the acting took me out at all. All the actors did a great job. Um, the, there was a couple, there was like one. Okay. I'll start here. Go for it. The music for the action segment at the yeah. end I was like, well, John's working with what we can work with. Like, there's yeah. like so much you can do. <laughs> I'm, I'm so grateful for you to confirm that because I was just, to be honest, like I had worked so hard on that and I was yeah. like, here's, this, this is the problem. And I know you can probably confirm this, but I don't know if this is so much of a problem when you're working in like comics, but you get too close to something. Mm. To the point where you can no longer, you're an unreliable arbitrator oh, yeah. of whether something is working or not. Because yeah. in your mind, if you're exhausted and tired and watched it or worked on it like for hours or days or weeks or months, even years, some some yeah. artists, your brain just naturally starts to rationalize things. Sure. Where you're like, no, it's good. It's working. No, it's fine. You don't have to work <laughs> on it anymore. And you have to at one point or another trust that because if not i guarantee you any artist every artist will just work on something forever yeah no exactly i understand that 100% and it's also like to me i mean but, i would say just to con just to confirm not to cut you off but yeah. just to confirm you're saying even when i put the the final export and i hit done in my mind i knew that music is just eh. well it's just kind of it kind of breaks with the tone a little bit you know because yeah. it it does i don't know i mean i can't give you a proper just description of what i think would have worked instead of that mm. i just know like that didn't work as well as something else that's all i can that's say. fair you know yeah. what i mean um and then I think after that, I would say there were just like a couple of shots that sort of broke me from the movie a little bit, which was there's the one um, there's the one shot where um, I can't remember his name. He gets shot in the leg, mm -hmm. like it's like a real close up where yeah. it, it's, <laughs> it's another one that's like, well, you, you you do with what you you got, you know, and um, and then there's a shot where I think it's the the last the last remaining guy is uh, pointing the gun at somebody else and you see the top of the gun in the shot and Madison's in the center do you know what shot I'm talking about yes that shot was the only sh that the shot was the only shot where I was like I don't know why Jao is framing it like this I know like you're trying to show the gun but because it's not like it's just the top it just looks like there's a black rectangle at the bottom of the screen rather than a gun so it doesn't really read as like what the intention was i think gotcha at least for me so i'm pretty sure i know what shot you're talking about i'll have to go back and look but because it goes back to the shot that shot is done has shown twice 
So that was like the one. That was the only shot I can think of where I was like, uh, I, I wish that could be either done differently or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, those are my two. Like those are my two like criticisms, pretty much. Like I wow. can't really. That's why I'm saying I would like to rewatch it because I feel like there might have been some other things that I could nitpick at, you know. Absolutely. That might be useful for you, but like, those are the two things that I remember very vividly from watching the movie that I was like, okay, it would be probably useful for Jow to hear this or at least validating or whatever, you know? No, uh, definitely the music comment is validating 100%. The cut shot to the knee shot, I absolutely know (laughs) why that's jarring for you. And I can, I'll explain that off air. um, Yeah. yeah. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to give away too many secrets about uh, the film. Um, and then the same thing, I, th- I have to, I, I have to nail down which shot exactly you're talking about and then I'll probably be able to examine sure. it further, but that yeah, last yeah. one, but I'm very, I'm, I'm very, very surprised that you didn't have any other critiques like the color grading or at least some of the acting or the, the fact that one of the, the actors is definitely way outside of that age group of all those people there. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but that kind of worked too for that, I know for his and character, and that's what that's what my brain rationalized it was. It was like he is within no matter who your favorite actor is in the project, he's in the top two of everybody's favorite. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like he's either yeah. the first place or second place of it, and I don't think anybody's going to really argue that. And no disrespect yeah. to my other actors, but he had the role that was kind of meteor. You know, he had a much bigger opportunity to show some range, to show darkness, to show light, to show... You know what I mean? So there was yeah. a lot for him to work with. Um, I don't know how I got on this point. What was I talking about originally? Uh, we were talking about... Um, well, you were surprised that I didn't have, have too many comments about the acting. And I was going to say, like... Well, I one mean, actor is definitely at the bottom for everybody. <laughs> we're, just in case they happen to be listening, we are not going to say names on here. But, um, yeah, there's definitely one that falls. That's been the the solid critique that I've heard from everybody that has critiqued in even the slightest way. Is everybody has the same comment about one particular actor, and there are reasons for that as well. Oh, um, interesting. But I'm but like the the color grade worked because that was a big thing that was sticking with me. I have to it tell you though, go ahead. It wasn't something that took me out of the film at all. It Does it something. fit the tone? Is really the question. Like the you know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's I mean a I, real. I think I think it might have been what kind of gave it a more serious feeling. Yeah. Which I don't know if that was necessarily. I mean I feel like that's what you were trying to go for, after having watched it because. To me, I, when after watching it, I got the sense that the tone that you were going for is you wanted to treat it, the topic seriously, and that the fact that it was kind of over the top would be enough to sort of give some laughs, but not like cement it as oh, this is comedy, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the, the whole purpose of inserting jokes into quite a serious situation. I mean, these guys yeah. are threatening suicide. They're basically, it's basically rape. You know what right. I mean? Like what they're yeah. doing, they're forcing her into a sexual situation and she even points that out. And to insert jokes throughout that 
was just an attempt to create to add a little bit of levity because yeah. if you if you're serious for the whole 20 minutes it turns into a slog right for and sure. it's a, it was a way to kind of endear some of the characters to you but also mislead you to endear some of the characters because sure. one of the funnier characters doesn't turn out to be such a great person right and you know what I mean? like and yeah. that's one of those things where it's like I really wanted to play with audience expectations and when I wrote this it was years ago like the attempt was to write authentically for both the female point of view and the male point of view you know what I mean like mm -hmm. in my opinion the guys their feelings are not wrong like it's definitely they're definitely entitled don't get me wrong that's that's wrong yeah. but you know the way they're approaching trying to get this girl this affection um is not necessarily wrong in terms of what to oh, do it's just what they think a, is right there's a part in that movie where i laughed out loud for reasons that i feel like i didn't intend. i don't i don't know <laughs> well i think you intended but you it like went over what you intended because it was so, it hit so hard on something that I have thought in my in the past mm. which is um, there's a character who's like who's like talking he's trying to because they're trying to figure out like why why did Madison never date any of them right? right and you know she very bluntly explains to one of these characters like you're just I don't find you physically attractive and he's like there's no way you can think that. Like that's too shallow for you. You're better than that. And that made me laugh so hard because it's like, I've I've made that same logical, like, bullshit reasoning in my head because sure. you just get into infatuation over somebody where you're like, mm -hmm. they should totally be exactly what I expect them to be, and that's not realistic at all. It's like, it's not how you treat any human being, right? But for and both men and women do this where they when they get um when they get infatuated with somebody they kind of make up like they make they up in the blanks yeah they make up this projected yeah. person that's totally not the actual person very true and and they put them on a pedestal and yeah. do you know what i mean and i and i think she counters with a very valid point where it's like in society, there's a very talked about thing where it's like, oh, you know, looks don't matter. And then Madison kind of makes this point where it's like, they do a little bit. Like, it, it mm -hmm. is a factor. Like, how you present At the very least, they somebody. matter to her. So it's Right, like, and that's not wrong. Yeah. Like, and, if, like, basically, it's like, well, if you're going to date me, you have to actually meet me at my values. If you don't like my values, that's your problem, right? Right. Like, that's ultimately, that's the... That's kind of what I get from it too, and I th and and that was where it, where it becomes the point where she still maintains the 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 hero role in that yeah. moment. Do you know what I mean by by defending her values? And one of the things that I was very very concerned with was usually when you approach something with a hero and an antagonist and stuff, they're always talking about character arc. Like the character has to end differently. They have to be changed by their situation. And my idea with this was that Madison is is defending yeah. her her value system throughout this entire thing. It's being challenged, and 
for her to win is to not change. You know what I mean? Like that, that was the, that was the goal. And that was what I felt like we did accomplish. I know the last time you and I spoke about this, which I don't think has made the air. Um, I told you, like, I hated the film. Like, I was just like, I I don't want to make a movie like this. And yeah. yeah. And that was just one of those days where I had watched the movie way too many times and I was tired of it and just annoyed. And then the next day you wake up and you watch it and you go, this isn't so bad. Oh, yeah, I kind of like this now and blah, blah, blah. And I've flip-flopped back and forth as the weeks have gone on. But since finishing it, I've kind of arrived at a place where I know that this is not the type of film that I want to make again, but I don't hate the film. Does that make sure. sense? Like, yeah. I feel like I've moved on. Like, I've kind of notched that. But I've, I have I have my own critiques. And I'm very curious to know if you w- would um, validate some of them. And this is sure. this is going to be an interesting thing where <laughs> the creator of the project is pointing out what he sees as flaws in it and asking an audience member what they think of those critiques. <laughs> I don't think I utilized blocking well enough in terms of both camera and actors. I don't think I moved the camera, like not just talking about like stating position, but like Mm. moving the character or the camera, it's locked down. I don't get a, I don't get a good idea of what that space is like, Mm -hmm. you know, from the shots that are used. Cause it feels very boxed. Yeah. It feels (laughs) very, yeah, it is like Wes Anderson almost box where it's like mm. here's this plane here's that plane and I don't get an idea of what the three dimensionality of that room that they're in is yeah. like and they I mean the whole film pretty much takes place in that room so like well I mean and that's the other thing is like there's the end like the ac- the action sequence at the end or the struggle at the end is the one point at which I think having an idea of what that space is like Mm-hmm. comes really into um, comes into fruition where you would want to sure. have that um, so like yeah I can see that that's sort of an element missing in could have you know could have been could have been improved by like taking a couple more different shots from different angles um, because there are, yeah, I mean, there are some missed opportunities where maybe, you know, you could have potentially portrayed also sort of what the pecking order, too, is of all the dudes. Because mm. it's portrayed in the acting, but it, you could have also done it through shots, too. Yeah, there's not, you know? not a whole lot of visual storytelling going on with the camera, and I agree. Because there, that... there is a definite pecking order that you figure yeah. out pretty, pretty immediately from the shots, but or not from the shots, from the acting. But yeah, the shots would have, I think, helped help reinforce that. Yeah, um, and then moving the actors within the, you know, the blocking of the actors, I feel like they're very just standoffish the entire time, and I felt mm-hmm. like there's a lot of missed opportunity to reveal character through their movements. And like, I know that we talk about the struggle at the end, but before the struggle, the the last guy, he kind of paces at one point during his little monologue. And um, that wasn't me. That was all him. And I'm so glad that he did that because he added more energy (laughs) back. That's the thing is like when you look at this, like I I admit it's like wall to wall dialogue almost. And with that, the the way to embed some energy into the film would have been through moving the camera and moving the actors. And I didn't do that. And I that is my my biggest regret of the entire thing, which was not utilizing the space, not utilizing camera movements more. 
and really not kicking myself, but really footnoting that to myself that with the next project that I do, Mm -hmm. I'm going to focus more on making sure that I develop that as a, as a director. You know what I mean? Like that skill set. You know what I thought? I don't know that I'm just thinking kind of off the top of my head. I, a shot that would have maybe added more attention to to the scene rather than kind of explicitly showing that one character gets shot in the leg mm. hear the shot take place from outside the house mm. so that you give an idea of like oh this is audible from outside the house right that rant it ramps up sort of Madison's situation in the guy's situation because now it suddenly involves the outside world, right? So now you, it also involves the potentiality of the cops showing up sooner. So that ramps up tension because you're like, oh, well, maybe Madison, you know, maybe the cops show up to help Madison at some point, or yeah. you know, somebody else, somebody else might come from the from outside the house. Um, that's a, just another random thought, like a good come. Samaritan or something. Of yeah, that sort. well, just like as a way of just kind of playing with people's emotions as they're watching the story basically because they do talk about it like they do kind of yeah they, there's a mention of like what are you gonna do you're gonna fire that gun here like people are gonna hear that right and then you show that that kind of adds on to that dimension mm. see i agree with that i love that idea i'm creatively stuck and i mean we don't have to problem solve it right now simply since we no, I'm just the movie's I'm done. shooting the shit about, yeah. No, 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 but what I'm saying is, is like, if you had raised that idea, right, the challenge during production, or not even production, during editing, would have been, when you cut to the exterior, are you releasing all the tension? Are you leaving the immediacy of that moment? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I understand what you're saying. There are benefits to exactly what you're saying, but how does that affect the, yeah. the and containment that idea might of... Is- that might have that idea might be better utilized with the struggle at the end is having like a little shot where you kind yeah. of hear them struggle that way you can increase tension because yep. the audience doesn't see what ha- what's happening right it becomes part of the parallel action of of yeah. everything that's going on no i agree with that and uh, scripted wise there was actually it was uh there was supposed to be gunshots going off during some of that final struggle Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just because of production got out of hand. I mismanaged the schedule a little bit. Our first two days where we, we hit our fucking schedule so beautifully. I think I've said this before. Um, and the third day just went off the rails because I'm now 30 going on 37. Yeah. And I, I don't under, I didn't understand the lack of sleep and food <laughs> deprivation affects me. And we just dogged that third day. And I, that was my fault. So that's another lesson that I learned. Uh, it's one of the reasons why that fight scene feels a little clunky too, because I I really would have done a lot better on that camera work had I been fresh and had a whole a separate day just to knock that out. But yeah, you know, wishes and all that can <laughs> float away in the air because it ain't gonna happen if it ain't gonna happen. Um, I'm surprised that you haven't mentioned the audio at all. I didn't really see this is once again why I feel like I would need to watch it again to give you a really thorough well, see here's the thing uh, though if it didn't if it didn't pull you yeah, out of it, the film it wasn't then... something immediately that was like you know taking me out at all like I said the, the only thing in the audio was that one 
the one song used at the right. you know at the end, and it wasn't even didn't take me out that much. It was just like, oh, that doesn't quite match. That's fair. I'm so, I'm shocked though because you've seen some of the the AI tests that I've done repairing audio, and you're aware that some of the audio was repaired by AI. I had no I I, I had no idea which lines were and which lines weren't. It wasn't obvious to me at all. So that's awesome. That's yeah. that's pretty incredible. And I and the truth of the matter is is like. I'm giving credit to the AI, but I need to give credit to myself here as well. A little ego boost because when the audio, when you process the audio, like junk audio through AI, it does not come back the way it ended up in the film. Like mm-hmm. I needed to actually dirty the audio so it didn't sound so clean and perfect. You know what I mean? It needed to yeah. fit the actual scene. It had to fit the acoustics of the room and what the character's wearing and all that kind of like, there was a lot of time that was spent fixing some of that audio so that it fit back in. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you didn't mention it. That like that to me, <laughs> that to me is a very that's yeah. a, that's a benefit. Um, so to wrap up this because I don't want to talk about it the entire time. Um, I am happy to announce that we did win some awards already for it, which was fucking Fuck, yeah. crazy. Within weeks of uh, not even weeks, I think it was like a week or two of uh, submitting to one of the festivals, we won. Um, uh, best Ensemble, and uh, I got the Grand Jury Award for Best Director, which was... This is pretty awesome. That's I, awesome. It's, you know, I'm I'm proud of it because, well, so not to, to pull on heartstrings or anything right now, last year we knew that my dad was going downhill. And when we went into production on Madison's Way that weekend, and that, that this was one of the reasons why I, I wanted to get a film done. I had... One, I, I, I knew my dad was going. I, we didn't know when, but I knew that I had to get something done. And I looked at my finished scripts and I said to myself, what is producible? Do you know what I mean? With the resources I have now, what can I, yeah. what can I pull off? And this was, this was it. And I know that I had Angelia who, uh, was, who played Madison. I had worked with her prior on some other projects and I knew that she could pull off that role. And we went from there. And the weekend that we went into production, my dad was rushed to the hospital, and that was like the the big start of the series decline. Um, so it was a race against time to get the film done, and I'm just very happy because the man was literally on his deathbed. Okay, when I won this award, so I was going through a lot. It was a very it was a silver lining in my life to to win that award and to be able to tell my dad that I won that award. You know what I mean? So like. Yeah. He had like he could be proud of me. Now, truth be told, I don't honestly think I deserved that award. I think the actors and the crew make me look better than I did. That's that's the god's honest that. truth. Yeah, yeah. So when when everybody tells me congratulations, I'm just like, nah. It, it's really the 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 crew and the actors made me look a lot better than I actually am. Um, and that's that's me being honest and humble right now. Like I really don't feel deserving of that award, but um, it was. It, it was very fulfilling to me to be able to tell my dad that, you know, I got that award yeah, that's awesome. before he passed away. So, yeah. it, you know, it, it's one of those things where I'm so happy that I didn't sit on my ass for another year and talk about the films I want to make and this and that. But I actually got off my ass and did one, which is why this is why I want to move on to a next topic. I'm already starting to develop the next film that we're going to shoot and we're getting a little bit more ambitious now. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's gonna be a doozy. I I don't want to tell on air which one it is or what the the concept is or anything like that. But 
my horror nerds are going to be happy that uh, Zhao is finally getting into the mm. the horror genre. Not necessarily with the project that you may be thinking, um, but it's definitely it's definitely going to be in that genre. And I think a lot of people are going to be happy. You think we're going to be doing some pretty cool things, and we're upping the budget, we're upping the production value. It's nice. going to be good. I'm very awesome. excited. I'm very excited about it. But on that note, we also have to turn the table back on you, Mr. Rainwater, because I don't. You were. I think you were done doing Trailer Park Warlock, like the the actual work on it. You were done, yeah. but it had not completed by the time we last recorded. So I'm very curious to know how you enjoying the time off, because from what I've seen here and there, I've, I haven't really been too active on social media, but. Number one, it looks like you've got a new project rolling on your Patreon. Couple of new projects. Couple um, of new projects. But but the big thing is, and this just wrapped up, the Trailer Park Warlock tarot card uh, yeah, the tarot funding deck. thing yeah. went off. And, dude, that shit was popping on day one. <laughs> it did way better. Day one. <laughs> I was very surprised. I When it was all done, I was like, it's funny because my original my original goal that I had set for it was 7500 and I was like I don't think it's going to get there. Like I just it doesn't I don't feel enough confidence about that. So I was very conservative and was like we'll do 2500. That's about 50 people, you know. Um three times that showed up. So <laughs> that was a nice surprise. Um and I was able to meet one of my stretch goals and now I am I'm doing the I'm about to do the manufacturing and fulfillment aspect of that which I was feeling really awkward about and anxious about but I had a pretty long conversation with um, a reader on my discord channel yesterday mm -hmm. he helped me figure out some logistical stuff that I'm gonna that's gonna help me get this all taken care of within the next two months so that's awesome yeah i'm um the tarot deck camp what's interesting is that i started designing the tarot deck in 2019 and then just i didn't really have any plan about it i was like yeah it'd be cool if it got printed but i didn't have any expectation about it but as you know i i started releasing cards with every episode of trailer park warlock and having readers ask me like can we can we make this thing an actual reality can we print it you know like it took me a while where i was like okay i guess we're gonna do this like it was about there were a lot of there were a lot of readers asking i'll put i'll leave it like that and i, I think i drove them a little bit crazy because i was just like I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, and I kept kind of kicking the can. And then when trailer park warlock ended, I was like, I have no excuse. Like everybody keeps asking about it. I might as well do it. And, um, took that jump and it's worked out, you know, like I still have to do all the fulfillment part. Right. Um, it's very daunting. I'm sure. I remember when daunting. we had to do that on digits, it was pretty, it's daunting. And like, here's where all of, here's where I learn how to budget suddenly, you know, and mm. there are also different entities that get a slice of that pie, you know, just because they have a hand in it. And so I'll be, I'll be very fortunate if I get, you know, a little bit 
for myself, you know, but my main goal is to make sure that this gets printed and in other people's hands for the, you know, the people who pledged and backed it. Like that's my first goal. And beyond that, like that's kind of where my focus is right now is just like making sure that gets done more so than even the other stuff that I'm working on. Like I'll chip away at it as I'm in the middle of fulfilling the, the tarot campaign. So like the other two projects that I'm working on are, I'm just calling them transitional stories in that they are a transition point between a major work to the next major work. Um, one of them could end up being a major work if enough people like it when I publish it more widely, but I'm not, I'm not betting on that right now. That's not something that I, I feel strongly about at the moment. You know, I'm kind of in this place, I'm in this place where I'm looking at these as these are stories I'd want to write. They seem fun to me. I have an opportunity to make them because I'm done with Trailer Park Warlock. I think that they will help me build my Patreon subscriber base. And I think they'll help me build my audience. Um, beyond that, I'm kind of going on a wing and a prayer a little bit, you know, like. That's so every like, project, though. That's every project, yeah. And I'm also sort of. I'm sort of pacing them out in a way where I'm thinking to myself, okay, if these don't work out like I think they will, I have. I can. I'm writing them in a way where I can cut them when I need to cut them. Like, like, uh, you know, like they're both about year-long projects. Okay. I, well, no, I should, I should. So, Legend of Redneck, that is probably a four-month project. If I just do it as I originally intended. Uh, and then Mega Geo Brothers is probably a year and a half project but because wow. of the way that i make it it's a little it's a it can be done slower and i can kind of do it in the background of something else because okay. i had started on it as i was finishing trailer park warlock so i think there was about four or five episodes of trailer park warlock where i was working on mega geo brothers in the background just when i had extra time and i had the extra energy to do it you, you know faithful artist you because <laughs> <laughs> I well, cheating on your primary is like i need something to back that i need a, something to back myself up when this is over because i knew trailer park warlock was gonna be over like definitively yeah. um so i'm kind of looking at this as i'm swinging from one trapeze to the next and i'm just kind of hedging my bets on different projects to see which ones land and which ones don't see i'm kind of Go ahead. Go ahead. You, no, you finish what you're saying. Uh, all I was going to say was that I right now I'm looking at Legend of Redneck as being the story that will probably really help build my audience and be sort of my my uh, outreach leader. I don't know what else to call it. Like the thing that gets people's attention because Mega Geo Brothers is kind of out there. Like even for me it's kind of it's kind of out there. Further uh, further away like than Bat Monster? Not as not as out there as Bat Monster. Okay. It's definitely chained in. I'm creating the spectrum here. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, that's a great spectrum. 
<laughs> because both Bat Monster and Trailer Park Warlock are kind of out there. So it's. <laughs> uh, I would actually put. So. Start from, you know from close to out there. Way, when you put it that way. <laughs> Maybe uh, both of these news stories I'm working on will ra radically adjust the spectrum to where hmm. Trailer Park Warlock is out there. Mm -hmm. That monster is like the most out there. Mm -hmm. uh, Legend of Redneck will probably be the most, the, the closest to like um, accessible. Okay. Yeah, that's a great way to, word to use. They're, yep. They're both more accessible than Trailer Park Warlock or Bat Monster, but Mega Geo Brothers is still kind of weird. Like I, 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 as I'm writing it, I enjoy it, but I'm like, this is kind of weird. I don't know, I don't know to whom this is going to appeal. You yeah. know? Yep. Um, Legend of Redneck, I know exactly who it's going to appeal to, so I feel very confident about it. Um, I could be totally wrong too. That's the other thing is I could release it and it's just not appealing, and. That's just, you know, part of the risk that I take. I got a lot of that with Madison's Way. Everybody yeah. was telling, not to turn it back around on me, but everybody was telling me. So my work is almost never out there in terms of like being weird or inaccessible. Mine is usually, cons I've this is the word that people throw around, edgy or mm. borderline offensive. You know what I mean? Like that's the, that's the spectrum that people put me on, that particular wavelength where it's like, oh, People are not going to be happy that you dropped the f bomb in this one, and I'm not saying, and I'm not talking about the word fuck. I'm talking about the other f bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know no, what I, I mean? I forgot. <laughs> so, but it was it, not to get defensive about it, but the that word was specifically put in there. Yeah, yeah. To it was a It was used to characterize the person who used it for sure. Yes, because that that is a moment when you'd start turning a, a corner on that particular character. You know yeah. what I mean? Up until that p part, he's probably one of the more enjoyable characters. And then he he drops that, and you're like, oh, I don't like him anymore. You know what I mean? And yeah. It, it it felt within character, and that's one of the reasons why I did it. But the you know the the whole I don't want to I don't want to call them incels, but that other people have. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like that kind of dynamic of like a I don't even know if I would call Madison a feminist like it, like I don't know if those words te technically define these characters as like a feminist versus four incels I wouldn't I wouldn't describe it like that but it becomes it comes down to like the uh what does Joe Bob Briggs call it the uh the intentional fallacy where an it doesn't matter what the fuck my intention was it really it it matters how the audience is perceiving it and yeah. everybody's going to perceive it differently some may group up some others won't etc but it was never my intention to paint a feminist versus uh incels type thing but either way it's being perceived somewhat like that by people and they are just saying wow this is edgy and some people not might not like this so that's how we're kind of going about it where it's like i have zero expectations for the project overall because and I've told this to the cast already I'm like people could get upset just because we have that one F-bomb in there and mm -hmm. despite liking it otherwise be like oh we can't program this because you know what I mean like half of our audience is gonna fucking riot if we do this like we can't show this and I understand that and I knew that going in that that was going to be a risk the whole thing is a fucking risk and as we've been talking about so that's the kind of thing, though. But in terms of not uh, leaving the, the discussion about risk behind, 
you talked about transitional projects, right? Yeah. So I have always called my projects, quote unquote, just test projects. Digits was a test project. Can we make a feature film? Let's just see if we can. Like yeah. we weren't trying to make a big time movie. We were just seeing, can we make a movie? And then Madison's way was, do I still have that ability? Am I as good as all the shit that I talk? Like it's, it was, it was an exercise. Can I pull this off now at 10 years later? Yeah. And I've moved past that. So I don't know if I'm in a transitional thing because now the next projects that I'm working on, and I did say projects, I'm looking at it differently. I'm starting to look at it like the through the eyes of a business person, which all of my artists just cringed. But I don't know I'm, how else you're supposed to make art in this world, though. <laughs> that's And that's what I keep saying. Like, I'm not trying to make billions of dollars or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I just want to do this as a living make make yeah enough that i can pay the people that work for me a yeah. decent wage and maybe take home some myself and keep a roof over my head and give my son a good life like mm -hmm. that's that's my goal with it so when you make a short film short films just don't make money it's just yeah. fucking but they cost money but they don't make money so i'm already coming up with like a plan where it's like okay what if i make several short films and they have a running through line and I kind of package them together as an anthology film and I could like package that. that as a feature right yeah. and sell that and that's yeah. that could work off so now the the next goal is to find a way to create a running through line for all of the films that I'm going to be shooting over the next year or two maybe three and be able to package them together now there there might not be money up front there more than likely won't be um but the idea is to start building something. Do you know what I mean? Like I told my actress the other day, I was like, this movie will never be free available on YouTube because a lot of filmmakers do that because they're desperate and thirsty for validation. Right. Sure. And they, they, they justify it. They rationalize it with, well, I need to build an audience and I need to da, 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 da. And my rationalization is I value what I did. I value what we did as, as a team and to just give that away for free so some schmuck on the internet can say, you know, control the, the fucking comments section or mark yeah. their thumbs down or whatever it is, make their memes, who cares? Or people can just watch it for free. I, I don't see the value in that for me. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I make well, the film. I would say if you, if you figure out how to make a business model that works in that way, I'd love to know how that works because I can't, I personally cannot I have not found another model that works outside of that. And the giving it away for free thing? Yeah, because that's been the model for, I mean, probably 20 years now. You know, like that's been, that's been the way that people have built audiences and then they later monetize based on popularity. But you know? how successful do they monetize? Because I remember Screen Junkies tried to do that on YouTube. They created yeah. a channel and it crashed and burned like mm -hmm. terribly. And the reason, in my opinion, this is just my observation, was because they set the standard of free initially. Yeah, Everything I agree was free. with you. I agree with you on that. And it's it's a very frustrating dynamic because um, I can say I can say at least from the perspective of comics, like it has set the expectation for commission rates. It's set the expectation for 
high quality stories that get released on the internet and people just expect them to be released for free mm. and expect the you know expect artists to basically be supported off of the good intentions of the readers right i'm not a fan of that model me neither but <laughs> i also have to acknowledge that it's the model that seems to that seems to be thriving right now that seems to it's thriving might even be the right word. It's the one that is propagating the most. But right. see, the way that it, it's propagating or, or thriving or making money for people, they are not charging. Like, so if you take Mr. Beast, for example, mm -hmm. he's not making money off of his subscribers or viewers per se. I mean, yes, there is ad revenue that's coming in, but he's also sure. getting um, sponsors. And that's yeah. how he's starting yeah, yeah. to monetize yeah. things. So. You know what I mean? He's still quote unquote free in the sense that the viewer is not paying for things up front. Yeah. They're paying with their time, you know, by watching the ads and subjecting themselves yeah. to the sponsorships and stuff, but they are not they are not forking over the cash. And yeah. me, as someone who's quote unquote edgy, and let's be honest, digits digits was definitely over the line and Madison's way is definitely questionable, right? There's a high likelihood that I am not going to get a sponsorship. I'm not because no company is going to want to associate themselves <laughs> with something that's so risky. By the way, I do think it is. It would be interesting to see people compare Madison's way and digits in terms of <laughs> like like Jal's thinking from like that year to uh, 2020 three right it's like oh he's thought a lot about this topic in ways that yeah. were very different from well, how he started see if, and we could i could discuss right now the, the the intention so previously i talked about critiquing my work where i said i didn't do a lot of blocking with the camera and i didn't do a lot of yeah. blocking with the actors the problems that i critique myself on digits is that the female characters were very one-dimensional yeah, yeah, yeah. And I developed the male characters very much. And when I looked back on Digits, I was like, okay, the next project that I do is going to be very focused on third, three-dimensional female characters. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like understanding a female point of view. And there were many women that I talked to. And really, what all I had to do was listen. Do you know what I mean? And you don't even have to talk to like a specific girl if you just pay attention when women are talking about their experiences with dating and interacting with men it's not hard to understand that point of view and as a writer i have a responsibility to sit in that seat now where there are several female friends of mine that bitch to me frequently and all i had to do was kind of pay attention to what they were saying to understand that point of view i didn't technically i like rip things that actually happened no, nobody actually you know put up a suicide pact and threatened somebody yeah. But just getting into that mindset, all I had to do was pay attention to the women around me, my sister, you know, what I, like there's plenty of people that complain about it and getting to understand that perspective was very important to me. And it didn't really apply when I was writing Haunted because while the main character is a female in that, it's not really a gender specific role. It doesn't have to be a female character. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. It just happened to be that. So when I was writing Madison's way, it was an opportunity for me to really paint a definitive three dimensional character as a female. And that was what I did. So when you look at digits, the females are just very, you know, they have one opinion on something and that's kind of what their through line is the entire movie. It's not their perspective. And that's how I rationalize that. But for this, 
I definitely wanted to balance that out. So yeah. there's definitely so if anything, you'll see growth. But the same kind of fucking humor and smartass yeah. and sarcasm, all that shit is still there because it's me. Um, but that I, I would be very interested in seeing that because, like I said, I'm developing projects and I just sent somebody several scripts that I have not yet produced, and they read like five scripts of mine within 24 hours, and I'm I was like, I want to pick your brain so bad because <laughs> you are probably be able to pick up on subconscious things that I am doing that I am not even noticing. So I'm very curious to, to have that discussion with them. But, um, yeah, there's I, I, I don't know. Would you say that there's a growth between digits and this in terms of even, like, the technical thing? I think there's definitely oh, yeah. a huge fucking growth. Oh, absolutely. All around. <laughs> growth was, all around. That was going to be my biggest question to you, which was, did this feel like an amateur film? No, it felt like an evolution of – it felt like an evolution of a filmmaker. Um. Like I said, there are moments where I'm sure. like, oh, that could have been done differently, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. But the overall project felt like a, a maturation, you know what I mean? Like, I'm at the end of it, I'm like, well, I'm ready to see what Jal is going to do next, you know? Works for me. <laughs> anyway, back <laughs> off of me. So, um, going back to it, yeah, I'm very curious. See, I don't know if we can monetize things the same way, though, in terms of business structure because the way people consume films and the way they consume comics is a little it's it is different. different it is different it's also different expectations in terms of how much time is going to be spent on those two things yeah i mean i i hear i i will say i hear the way that you want to structure this project and i go yeah that could work perfectly as a youtube channel and then you just plan it out where you do you do all you do all these segments in the anthology and then at the end of it i mean maybe as you're going along you pick up sponsors and whatever you monetize in whatever way you can right yeah. and it builds in um in terms of you know your stories get more and more technically better and better or whatever because you're able to put in more resources and then at the end of it you go hey y'all want a blu-ray dvd of this let's do a crowdfunding campaign or whatever you know yeah, that's one thing that I think about when you talk about that. Um, at the same time, I'm with you that I would prefer to see a model where it's like you make something, you put it up, people pay you money for it, and that's the expectation. I, I this almost feels like a philosophical yeah. thing for me, where I, I can't personally, I can't, I can't envision what that model looks like. Probably because we've been in this current model for so long, I can't envision what it would look like to have people who are successfully just, they have an audience that's willing to just pay them for their work outright. Can I, can I play devil's advocate here and ask kind of an asshole question? Yeah. Do you think on a subconscious level, it would affect you personally if you just started doing that, where you put up a paywall direct to your things, whatever, and then it's like you stopped getting viewership or whatever. You would feel as though your work wasn't good enough to be. Paid oh, I mean, for. I can I can say that I already feel that. I mean, because like the two projects I'm working right on right now are behind a paywall on Patreon, and like I I I know how many people it's getting out to. It's a very small number. 
and I think, oh, well, I would like to see what other people thought about it so that I can get more feedback on it to know if what I'm doing is even worth the time. You know what I mean? Like, it almost doesn't matter to me on, on some level, it almost doesn't matter to me whether or not I'm getting paid for it in this, in this moment mm-hmm. because I don't have enough numbers to let me know whether or not something is good. Like I need big numbers that I can filter through to go, okay, this is working or this isn't working. Well, you did have a hundred thousand subscribers to Trailer Park Warlocks, so that's so pretty. That's that pretty attributive to your Park talent. That well, was, that's pretty yeah. good for you. Yeah. Because you created Trailer Park Warlock, you executed Trailer Park Warlock. Were other people involved here and there? Yes. But if we're looking at the grand scheme of things, it's ninety percent you, ten percent them. If that, right? Sure. So that's a testament to you, in my opinion. Well, it's a testament to me, and that's a testament to me making Trailer Park Warlock. That doesn't apply in the same way to other stories. That's very true. There's a humility that needs to be applied because, you know, there are are directors who get lucky with one hit film and then their sophomore slump, and then you never hear from them again, and it's like, oh, this guy was just a one-hit wonder. Bands, it's songs, that happens all the time. Um... I see, here's the thing, and I'm not saying this is good or bad. For me, I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. This is what this is where I'm at, where it's just like, I'm going to make a movie. If you want to watch the movie, you're gonna pay for it. If you don't want to watch the movie, you're not gonna pay for it. And that's the end of it. Yeah. But to me, it feels like it's like the confidence when you go out and like you hit on somebody like you're going to, you know, try and chat them up, get their number, go for a date, whatever like that. If you're timid and you don't have a confidence level and that swagger, that charm, whatever, mm-hmm. you're not going to get that number. Do you know what I mean? And that's kind of yeah. how I'm looking at it. And really what it is, is the problem of distribution is being discovered. So if you put up that paywall, you are limiting yourself in already a vast sea of art noise across the internet right it's a giant fucking ocean and you're just making it harder on yourself but at the same time are you standing out by putting up a paywall and this is the question that I've been asking myself is is if somebody came across say I uploaded a film say it was Madison's Way say it was Haunted I don't give a fuck whatever you want to play to YouTube and then I uploaded digits to YouTube and I uploaded um, something else to YouTube and each one of them was behind a paywall. Yeah. Somebody comes across a video of mine that's free and they look at those things and they go, oh, this guy's fucking charging for his movie. I can't just watch it for free. Yeah. Huh. In my mind, all that does in the audience mind is raises their level of expectation and interest and going, oh, this guy might be something. Let me check this out. Now, when they see the movie, if it matches that expectation, they're going to go and, you know, they'll tell somebody, you'll be like, oh, this really good fucking thing on YouTube. And I just heard it. And look at, come to me. I can tell you where these hidden gems are. Go to this guy. You know what I mean? They'll yeah. praise it. If it sucks, they're going to run to IMDb and Letterbox, and they're going to give me a half a star. And that's going to fucking tank me to anybody yeah. who wants to do their research. But sink or swim... I'm still getting that 15 bucks, eight bucks, whatever it is that I'm charging for yeah. it. And it, when I don't care anymore as to whether or not people do that, that's when I, I feel like as an artist, I win and I feel free. 
You know who Dave Portnoy is? Yeah. Barstool Sports, the pizza guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He recently came around to, to Connecticut again. He was going from a trip from New York up to Boston, and he was hitting all the pizza places that he hadn't hit before. So he's hit all the big New Haven ones, Pepe's, Sally's, Zuparty's, Modern, all those. He's given them their big scores that they rightfully deserve. And he had gone through it again this time, and he went to this place called the Little Rendezvous in Meriden, Connecticut. Now, this place has been there for decades, right? Little hidden gem pizza spot. Dave Portnoy, I believe it was a 9.3 out of 10 he gave it, and he never gives out anything higher than like an 8.5 for things. So for him to say 9.3, the fucking place blew up, right? And all of a sudden, they got like two weeks worth of profits in one week. And it was insane for them. Like, they were just like, we never saw this coming. We've been doing this for decades. Same pizza recipe, same, you know, same little hole-in-the-wall brick and mortar that we have on this little off-road or whatever. But now, the phone doesn't stop ringing. They sell out of pizzas before the actual place closes, which I've never heard of for a pizza place. Right. And all they did was just do what they loved all the time, and then suddenly somebody came along and found them with a distribution channel a way to shine a spotlight on them and all of a sudden they're this giant success. So to me, when I see things like that happen, it's like even if Madison's Way gets no festival acceptances past what it's already done, if we get no other exposure, nobody's talking about it, whatever, that doesn't mean it's a bad film. It doesn't mean that we sucked. It just means these people are fucking idiots and we know a lot of them are I mean they gave me a fucking great director award like that that should tell you how dumb they are in the first place but the point is is like I don't I don't really care anymore the, the reason I dropped two grand on film festivals submission fees just on the off chance that we're gonna get exposure from people and you know what I mean like they're gonna come and they're gonna see a film that they have no inclination to see they don't know who I am down in Baton Rouge and you know on the west coast or in Ohio or wherever these fucking film fests are they're just gonna sit down watch a film and if they like it they're gonna look me up afterwards if they don't they're gonna uh, what's it called they're just gonna forget about me and move on or they'll go on the internet and trash me either way I love the haters because they're talking about me and driving attention towards me (laughs) and someone's gonna look you know what I'm saying like I'm at that point now where it's like I don't I don't care I just wanna make what I wanna make and if you like it, that's great. If you don't like it, that's great too. But yeah. I'm just going to do what I want to do and I'm not going to let the fear of success or validation or money or any of these things affect me anymore. I'm going to be reasonable when I budget out how the film is made and all that kind of stuff. But at this point, especially at now that my dad is passed, mm-hmm. I... It, it, it's irrelevant to me. It doesn't affect me anymore. It re- like, And I realized it, it, it was only a week ago today that my dad passed away. And in that time, there's been a lot of self-reflection. Uh, you know what I mean? When you go through yeah. a big life event, you, yeah. you really tend to turn inwards and you start examining yourself and really what matters and what values. And all I know is I'm happiest when I'm on a film set. I, sure. I'm I'm happy when I when I premiere a film or a film gets yeah. shown or something like that. And from now on, like I'm I, I, fucking Neil Breen, man. He don't give a shit. <laughs> That's you true. Know what I'm saying? The model that you are pitching is the Neil Breen model. 
and it's fucking working for him it is. for for the wrong reason but who cares because it's working right yeah, it like is. it's working did he crowdfund his last movie no no it's all he's been independently funded uh the whole time as far as i'm aware he's still funded though yeah. which is more than 99% filmmakers can say which yeah. is more than i say i self fund you know what i'm saying like doing yeah. all these videography gigs and all this nonsense but to have somebody else fund you that's a big de- big fucking deal so i don't care that his movies are perceived as slock and just crap and garbage yeah he's getting them made and people are watching them those are the two components that you need for a in my opinion for a successful movie it needs yeah. to exist and people need to have watched it. Somebody other than your mom. And that, yeah, that's it. That's true. So, I don't know. I, I, I challenge you to, to maybe re-examine valuing your work more. That's that's all I'm going to say. What, how you here's, the other, here's the other thing is I'm not saying this like I don't want you to be right. I want you to be. I don't want you to be right. Like, you I just want me to be the guinea pig. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. That's fair. Well, it's funny too because like um, – so like Mega Geo Brothers, I wrote with the intention of that's going to be a paywall story. Mm. I'm not intending on putting it out for free as much as I can, as much as I can handle that. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, basically, I am more and more putting a putting a price on free. I'll put it that way. Okay. If that makes- where it's like if you want to read something for free you're not going to get the premium you're not going to get the whole vision you're not going to get the premium like you can't just keep going around expecting artists to just make stuff for you like you're a fucking prince that doesn't yeah. that doesn't work um and i'm finding distribute distribution models are starting to lean that way too so like patreon's doing a thing now where they are starting to they're starting to make it such, and they haven't implemented this fully, but they're getting there, where people can go to your Patreon and they can individually buy stuff from you. So it could be a movie, it could be a comic book, it could be a piece of work, whatever. Instead of, like, subscribing, you know, yeah. outright. So <clears throat> I look at that um, and I go, all right, so people are going to slowly change this model because they want first of all uh, these sites want to generate revenue right because mm-hmm. they're going to get patreon gets a cut of that pie obviously yeah um webtoon is about to do something kind of similar i'm seeing the trend go towards i mean it's interesting because i see the trend from the corporate side mm-hmm. going towards what you want right and in my mind i'm like great let's go that way but how is the audience how yeah. is you know how are the people going to respond to that because like i said they've been they've been on free for a while for a long Mm. while and i don't think you can just flip a switch and expect it to go how you want it to go i want to want to put something out there i want to make sure that this is known i am not against creating free content even though i'm talking about like the paywall and stuff i'm thinking about so I'm looking at something like a, a, a live action film and I'm not by any means de- degrading animation. But for me, something that I'm developing right now, October Nights, 
right? I don't know if I'm going to get it done by October like I had hoped. I, a lot of setbacks the last couple of weeks. But the way that I've already figured this out price-wise, the only things that I really needed was like mid-journey, which cost me about $300 for a year, which mm. is pennies if you really think yeah. about it in the grand scheme of things. And my Adobe subscription, which is, you know what I mean, is already built into the cost of my other projects. So uh, for me to create this short thing, yeah. where if I make several animated episodes, I can put that on my YouTube channel because those are very cost effective to create. They're all, you know what I mean? They're basically very easily paid for and justified yeah. through other things. So I don't need to charge for something like that. And I'm okay with giving that up for free if it's going to yeah. build the audience because that is the the yeah i don't it. same thing i i don't look at it from a moral perspective i just look at it as these are just different distribution models and i'm yeah. looking at it as like well this is just kind of like from the perspective of trend trends are very hard to fight right yes if you're if you're trying to make if you're trying to make digits in 2020 <laughs> you're shooting yourself in the kneecaps yeah right? don't do that um don't make digits at all. If you happen to find the script somewhere <laughs> online, I, I, I'm not doing this from a, like a, a copyright IP protection thing. Just don't make digits. It's not a good if, career move. If you're trying to make superhero movies in the early 90s, it's just not going to work. If you're going to make superhero movies, though, in 2015, suddenly it works because suddenly everybody's on board. I yeah. don't know why. I don't know why people have this, you know, I don't know what, what goes through the psychology of the mass, I can just observe it and then say, all right, go with that until such point that I see an opportunity where it's like, let's try something different. And I'm saying in terms of what we've been talking about, I am saying that it looks possible more possible than in a long time that things are gonna trend in the favor of the model that you want to have happen. Right, and I'm happy. I would ha be totally happy with that because I think I think that artists should be respected for the work that they do. That respect has been very um, iffy at best. Mm. It's like the artists that get respected, it just seems like it's random, and it doesn't seem like there's it doesn't seem like their fan bases really care all that much whether they succeed or not. It's just sort of like whatever. How? What is the numbers that they can accrue through whatever process they accrue that numbers? Yeah. Whether that's like shit posting on Twitter or they were on a very popular video once or whatever, you know? Like, yeah, I would love to see that model change because I don't think that that really... I don't think that necessarily reflects talent all the time. It no. can. It can reflect really great talent. But it it has more to do with it has more to do with who people who are willing to persevere through a period in time for art that honestly seemed very difficult. And I would say for me it was very difficult in terms of you know getting getting financial backing for the work that I do. And I was very yeah. fortunate. Like I was very fortunate that Webtoon found me. I was very fortunate that I had the support that I did have. But it doesn't work that way for everybody. And no. it doesn't work that way for anybody for any model. But 
Um, I'm. It's. Go ahead. Not yeah, to cut you off, but it's like it's. I I see like you were talking about like the numbers, right? The other day, and I just posted about this earlier today. I networked the other day. I went to a film mixer in the middle of the week to get my mind off of my dad. And I met a guy, and he was just continuously asking me question after question after question about filmmaking. And I don't think he knew much about filmmaking, but he was pitching me this idea for a website or an app or something about how you could sell your script if you had a budget attached. Stuff that's been done, right? Yeah. And failed. And then he was asking me about my project. And of course, I was happy to talk about that. And then he asked me about the budget of it. And I was like, well, I'd probably say all in. It was probably about 10K when you factor in equipment and food and props and costumes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, 10, 10K is not, it ain't shit. Um, and he was like, oh, how'd you get that funded? I'm like, I just self funded it. Like, I saved up money. I sacrificed. I did not buy things. Like, it's not fucking yeah. hard to raise $10, 10K of your own money to to get a camera, to get uh, microphones and all that kind of jazz, if that's what you want. And, you know, we exchanged information or whatever. And, like, the next day he was on um, Instagram messaging me, and I took a look at his profile, and he has, like, 10,000 Instagram followers. And then he's got, like, 100,000 or a million or something. I forget what it was. TikTok views or something. And that doesn't impress me. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, I understand that that's a necess- that's a that's a great distribution channel. But he very clearly wanted me to invest money that I saved up in for my films in his website thing yeah. that he was developing. I have no interest in that. And so he went away when I kind of turned him down. Like, he unfollowed me and all that. And it became very clear to me. It's like, oh, well, what was this guy going to do? Invest in my film? No. He wanted me to invest in his... Sh- like, so... Even the people who have thousands of fucking followers and views and all this kind of shit, they're still scraping for money too. So the idea to me that I'm going to wait for something like Webtoon for filmmakers to come along and validate me, yeah, I, I could be sitting here forever fucking waiting for that. Oh, like, no, I yeah. Have... I would I would never. I didn't, I'm not saying you were, <laughs> yeah. but I'm just saying like uh, that is the mindset, and that was yeah. my mindset for a very long time, right. especially when it came right. to Haunted, which was... I need somebody to fund this film. And now I'm very much at the point where it's like, no, I'm going to fund this film, but I can't do it right now. I just need to be diligent and save up the money and, you know what I mean, and come up with a realistic budget where I can make this good enough for a good enough cost and then value it from there. Like putting on my businessman hat and trying to understand this more because like I said, it's an ocean of creators out there. Everybody's turning to creating and being artistic and stuff. And let's be honest, a fair amount of them are in it for the wrong reason. They just want the success and some kind of childhood validation or whatnot. As the Joker said in Batman 89, well, that is all behind me. And it's just, it's it's just, it doesn't, it's not even a factor to me anymore. It's not. And it's so freeing which I never thought I would say as an artist to not to, or to actually value the monet the, the the money of it, of it and not care about giving stuff away for free and getting the likes and the shares yeah. and the subscribes and all that kind of stuff it's so freeing to me like I got notes on the scripts that I sent that person they were like you know you're going to offend some people by 
saying this. And I was like, ah, I don't give a fuck. At, and at this point, it's just like, right, this is what I want to do. And I'm just going to do it. And, yeah. and, and I encourage people to start thinking differently about it. That's, that's, that's all that I'll say. Even, uh, sure. I'm not even, I'm not even challenging you because I think what you are doing is, I don't, and I'm not demeaning you by saying this, a safer route. And that's, Oh that's no, a, it is. It's a that's, safer route. But sure. see, but that route might be right for you. And that's that. That is a personal decision on behalf of the. It'll be right for me until you prove me. You prove me incorrect at some point in time. And I'm like, oh fuck, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> Rainwater. Let me let me tell you this. The the first thing I'm fucking doing, if I ever quote unquote make it, let's say I make cemetery sweethearts and I get millions of dollars. The first fucking thing I'm doing is reinvesting in my friends. The same way you did in me when you had a little bit of money from from saved up and everything like that. You invested in me to make the video for the trailer park warlock tarot. And I'm that, glad we were, that helped me so much though. Did like, it? I'm cause I, I, you say I was in, I was investing in you, but I was investing in me by investing in you. I'm because, glad that helped. Cause I, I, I was unsure if I really delivered to you to did your, great. It Your was expectations. great. And you also uh, you also introduced me to Envato, which um, totally changed my perspective on a lot of stuff because on how good I am because you realized some of the well, stuff no, I pulled that, was that, from there. In terms of like, it totally changed my perspective on like how video production is done nowadays and how mm. any kind of like any kind of art production is yeah. done nowadays. Because I do I do so much of my stuff from the ground up. Yeah. But suddenly seeing a site where it's like, oh shit, like, well, first of all, I found a database for fonts, which for me is extremely exciting, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I do some amount of graphic design, so I do kind of become a little bit of a font whore sometimes. Okay. So like, that was cool. But then my, my main point was... Um, so the thing is, is like, I didn't realize that there was so much, like you could work with other people, right? Yeah. But pay very little, right? So long as you, you make an, a, you make an arrangement. Hmm. Uh, are you talking about me or are you talking about people on Envato? Envato. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I do feel like I didn't pay you enough, but whatever. I mean, that's... I feel like I, I feel like I charged you too much, so... <laughs> <laughs> so I think we can meet in the maybe, middle and yeah, just say well, we're maybe, good. I mean, I know that some of that you used, I mean, I know that you used Envato for some of that, but still, like, it wasn't work I was going to do, right? And that's was that was time saved for me and, that's, and using your expertise. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that, like, that's the way I, I justify using Envato for th certain things is it's a time saver, right? Yeah. Like, that's, like, that's, like, a big part of it, but... It, it, just like mid journey like when you're prompting ai art just because you yeah. put in the prompt the first time doesn't mean you get what you want and that was my ultimate point was like oh now i feel very differently about mid journey because there is so much fucking art that people can just pay 30 like 38 a month for you know that you can just plug and play into your stuff yeah and like granted it's supporting it's supporting physical artists, right? And it's putting money Absolutely. in there, right? Yeah. Which is cool. But at the same time, it like I go, okay, well, 
a lot of art that's being made isn't being made from the ground up like I had assumed for a long time. And I also found out where all that stock imagery comes from because I had been wondering for a long time and I had ended up using a lot of that um, for the the video that I ended up making to do um, to be used for the tarot campaign as like an introductory video to just explain the whole thing, which was a really fun process for me. Like it was only a two minute video, but like um, the process of putting it together and kind of thinking it out as a narrative was really fun and mm. just got me thinking in a different way. Cause I don't, I do video editing every once in a while, but not that often. Sure. And that one was the first one where I felt like, Oh, I actually like kind of did a fun little narrative thing here that I wouldn't have thought of before. And that was just having fun with stock imagery, right? Like just kind of stringing together edits of stock imagery in a way where you can kind of tell a story. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so I'm in multiple ways. You helped me a lot with that because you, that 30 second video, I tried to plug as much as I could on Instagram when it made sense to plug it. And I think it really did help bring people into the campaign because it's a good-looking video. Like it's, Thank you. it's catchy. It gets the point across. It's just the right amount of length. And I, I feel like, like it, it was. Go ahead. Let well, you what I was gonna say is I feel like it excited a lot of people who were interested in the campaign but weren't really sure if this was gonna be a real thing. And even though it's a mock-up, the fact that it's it looks physical. Yeah, gives people a sense of like, oh shit, this is really going to happen. Okay, let's go. You know, the authenticity factor. See, my biggest concern because, and I apologize for being a shitty friend, but I have not completed reading Trailer Park Warlock. I've read a fair chunk of it. I have not f- read the entirety of it. But what I was hoping for out of the video was to kind of capture a little bit of the tone that yeah. you kind of went for. And I'm very curious to know if you felt like I did that because. To me, that was my overall goal with it. Like, yeah, I took a video effect or something or whatever from here and there or whatever like that. But the the criteria in which I was using to select those things was, does this fit the feel of Rainwater's project? Is it on brand? Does it fit the tone? You know what I mean? Like, it does it convey yeah. that, that sensibility that Rainwater has created with this IP? And that's really what I wanted to go for. Even your, choices, things- your choices were made made sense and I can't remember because I'm trying to remember because you had made a bunch of choices where they're like oh that totally works um, where it was like your font choice mm. was I think I'm trying to remember because I think initially there I were initially multiple I fonts used, used yeah I did use different fonts and none of them were yours and then you had switched to a font that I was like Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. We should go with that. And then my favorite thing, and you, I don't think you intended it this way, but the card you picked for the back of the tarot deck. Oh yeah, I'm, that's going on the deck, like because I was like, <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's actually like narratively perfect. I don't think it was completely random. I think I looked at all of them and I was like, that one looks good. But I yeah. didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't like, I think I, I nailed it down to three. And then it was like a random. I was like, eh, I'll go with that one. But mm. it, it, there was a little bit of thought process in there. But it wasn't like, oh, that's the back of the car. Like, because I don't know yeah. shit about tarot. Like, I just, mm. you know what I mean? And like I said, I, I'm a bad friend. And I haven't read the entirety of well, Trailer Park Warlock. Well, I was going to say, but... in the narrative of Trailer Park Warlock, it's perfect. 
and works perfectly. Then yes, that was a stroke of luck. So it <laughs> <laughs> works perfectly within within the um, confines of like the tarot deck too. So no, it was a good. It worked out great. I'd awesome. say. I I was very happy when I saw that you made the goal the first day. Was it the first day that you guys had the Yeah, goal? it was the yeah. first day. And to be honest, because not because I felt like the video helped you do that. It's because I was like, okay, the video didn't tank the campaign. Like, that, it was the opposite of. So uh, that was very relieving to me, the fact yeah. that you did that. But that's a credit more to you and the audience that you built. And, you know, now you're you're exploring a new a new avenue in terms of monetizing your work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, to me, to me, whatever project you do next it's smart not necessarily to build it around creating a product that can be sold and bought, but is knowing your audience. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you knew your audience wanted that. And because that's the audience that you have, like they're very into that. So whatever project you do next, what you just need to be hyper aware of who your audience is and what they want. And then you'll be able to, to create, items in yeah. real life merchandising I guess is the right way to put it and that's another avenue for you to monetize your work especially if you're gonna if you do decide to give it away for free and yeah. not behind a paywall like it, creating merchandise is another way to monetize your work and there's nothing wrong with that we did that with digits we created t-shirts with like stupid shit on it and you know that sold a fair amount it didn't make money but um, it sold more than I expected it ever would like stupid shirts that we just came like I came up with on the random so that's that's I think another way for an artist to value their work is like okay this is taking off who is my audience and a brilliant thing that you did and I can't wait for me to have an opportunity I don't know how or where I'll implement this but if I get the opportunity the way you interact with your audience where like you said you have your discord channel yeah and you know what i mean like you respond on the comments thread on the the trailer park warlock comics that to me is genius for you know what i mean if you're fucking alan moore you don't need to do that you're getting paid you have sure. money your security but as an independent artist as someone who's up and coming whose name isn't a household name in comics yet that's genius to get to know your audience better and make it more personal for them and for you. Well, the other thing is I'm just fucking lonely. So <laughs> it's, it's easy for me to do, but also I would say that I, it became really obvious to me really quickly that most other webtoon artists don't really interact with their audience. And Stand I looked at that and I was like, out. well, that's something I can do differently. Stand out. And it's yep. been, it's been a fun process too. Cause I've gotten to kind of know people a little bit that has helped me it certainly helped me figure out like some aspects about the audience for trailer park warlock that were not immediately obvious to me like a large portion of them are D, &D players which mm. upon regular upon later reflection should seem obvious but like yeah but it wasn't obvious to me at first and as i started like you know hearing people talk about sort of their lives a little bit like i was like oh there's another dnd player there's another dnd player okay i can kind of get an idea of like who these people are what is kind of going on with their lives and why they're attracted to trailer park warlock and uh, did you ever think about making a dnd campaign trailer i've park thought warlock? about 
I've thought about that and I've been asked about that too. So it's not something... the worst idea. I know. I know. I would have to kind of figure out what. First of all, I have to even figure out what the fuck I would be doing, right? Because yeah. I've never really done that before. I don't really know what that entails. Um, but it is well, on my, it is on the back of my mind because it's like, yeah, that could work. And the biggest struggle, I think that, and correct me if I'm speaking for you wrongly here, but the biggest struggle is, especially when you're learning a new avenue. So for like for me, learning animation for October nights, it's a very big struggle of, I have a lot to learn, but I also have these other things that I want to work on in the realm of things I already know how to do. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of how, where do I place my time? Because you have a finite amount of time in a day. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And if you work too much on like a, a D and D campaign for trailer park warlock, then you slow down progress on another yep. thing. You know what I mean? And yep. that becomes, that becomes a thing because you're taking an even bigger risk going into an Avenue that you're not fully educated about yet. And that yeah. can be, that can be troublesome for an artist who's already scrimping by. So yeah, to me, like I just had to mothball a project that I was planning on doing. I was going to do a very, very, very good project. I finished the script for it and everything. Seven minutes, but it's so ambitious. And I looked at it this week and I just said, I am not prepared to do this right now. I don't have the resources to do this right now. And it's painful, but I had to shelve that project because it's just yeah. like know when to do it the right time and do it the right way. So I, at least I got it. It, it. The script is done and I know that I can like do it at some point. It's just not yet. And I have to, yeah. I have to, that's how I have to structure. And this is the thing that I wanted to talk to you about tonight. And I don't, I know we're already going long, but <laughs> the both of us, both of us are at the same Avenue because I was working on Madison for quite a long time and yeah. you were working on trailer park for way even longer but now we're both completed with those projects and it, we're both faced with that same conundrum of what's next. And yeah. the biggest fucking thing that I hate, it, like I showed Madison to somebody like within days of it being completed. And the first thing they said after like, oh, I really enjoyed it, blah, 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 was, so what are you doing next? And I just wanted to fucking murder them where they stood. It was just like, uh, give me a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like trying to rush it. But I'm, I'm, so you're working on transitional things and I'm working on the things that we've talked about, but I'm curious to know, is there like a big thing in your sights? Like, are you doing any long-term planning? Cause that's basically what yeah. my short became was I realized I was like, I need to do a long-term plan here. What's my yeah. five year goal with all of this? Like I'd never yeah. done a five year business goal before or like art goal, but now I'm starting to really value the idea of having a roadmap of yeah. what I want to do and what I want to get done and trying to stick to it. So I'm curious to know yeah, if there's so anything loftier that you've got going other than transitional these, stuff. These transitional projects I started on and started creating because I wanted to use them to test what I want to be my business model coming up, which is I want to see if it's possible that I can create a business model where I'm releasing I'm releasing free comics, right? But in the meantime, there's a paywall where I am releasing comics that I have just finished. So like you can read old content for free, right? But if you want to see what I'm actually working on in the moment, and if you want to stay abreast of the story ahead of everybody else, you got to pay me money for it. And that's not a bad way to go. 
That's the model. That's specifically the model for Legend of Redneck. For Mega Geo Brothers, I am probably going to just keep that behind a paywall for its entire life. Um, we'll see how that goes. I feel like that's going to be very risky, which is why I've I've kind of hedged like these different titles the way that I have. And then my ultimate goal is to work on what I'm calling a spiritual successor to trailer park warlock that will, I don't know how it will be released yet. I don't know if I'm going to do a free model. I don't know. Like I'm kind of like, I will probably piggyback it on the model that works for legend of redneck. If it works, in other words, where I keep doing the, like, release it for free, but if you want to stay abreast of the story as I'm creating it and finishing it, you're going to need to get behind the paywall for it. And then just find other ways of... Because, like, I'm still... I mean, I'm basically at this moment where, okay, I know I can monetize Trailer Park Warlock, and there are other projects that I can do with it in terms of merchandise and stuff. And I'll do that, you know, every maybe every half a year or maybe every year or something like that. And then I'll just kind of build properties that I can basically as each property matures, it becomes mm. like a little dividend for me that helps me fund later projects. And so they kind of accumulate over time. And that's like my that's I'm looking at it as a I'm hoping it would be a lot faster than five years. It would be like a three-year model where I could get to a point where I'm self-sufficient on like on like that model, if that makes sense. Rather yeah. than rather than like having to do side gigs and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. No, nope, I understand um, that. So we'll see. You know, I still have to even. I mean, I've yet to even release. Legend of Redneck to like wider publication. And that's going to be really, for me, I feel like that's going to be the deciding point. I wanted to ask, because we had talked about this, I think it was off the air discussion, but we had talked about this long, like a mo two months ago, at least three, probably. Um, you are doing Twitter blue. Yeah. How's that going? Cause you were going to report back to me about how that was going. And I, now I know that they're kind of trying to make it more creator-based as well. Yeah. So I'm curious to know how you're, if you're interested in, and I think even, um, isn't Instagram kind of adopting like a Patreon-type platform where you can subscribe and all that kind of stuff? It looks like it. They haven't been as vocal about it as Twitter True. has been. I'm not, so like I recognize they're doing, they have this verified account thing, but they haven't, like I said, they haven't really advertised what you're supposed to do with it, how it works or whatever. So like currently Twitter seems like it's the more competent of those two platforms. I would say, I would say, especially based on the model that you want to work with, I would say Patreon would be the way to go. Oh, because, for me? oh yeah. But, but in terms of outreach, well, and also where I want to go too. like, I'm sticking with, I have complaints about Patreon, but I'm going to stick with them because it's, been working even though it's you know it's not as great as i'd like it to be but it's been working right um but the twitter stuff have you got but any with twitter kind of analytics stuff that you got you, that's been helpful at all maybe with growing an audience well here's or... the thing is like i cannot i <laughs> i have yet to been able to get access 
to the professional stuff, and which is why I ended up changing my I changed my icon to a real life picture so I could get access to that because they're like, well, you gotta have, you know, whatever bullshit. Yeah, because it was Jake for the longest time. Yeah. And so they were like, well, you have to have an actual picture of yourself to have access to that. So I did that, and they were like, mm, you don't qualify. I'm like, and they didn't give a reason. So I was like, okay. But I kept I kept Twitter blue through the campaign because that was gonna Im- that was going to improve my outreach anyway. Okay. And I needed that. I needed to do whatever I could to improve, even if it was by small percentage points, improve outreach. Um, I told myself that I was going to stay on it for about eight months. So this is like month two or three. Oh, okay. And I would say like right now. Not worth um, it. I will say that engagement is better than before Twitter blue. Okay. Um, I've had more people subscribe, but it hasn't been like a watershed moment or anything. I've had more people... Like I said, there's been more engagement. There's, there's been better outreach on like stuff that I put out, but you know, it's not like changed. The return, the return has been minimal. It's been minimal, and so okay. like you know, a part of me is like, okay, well, let's see, eight months from now, maybe it will become worth it in eight months, right? Because like. Yeah. I knew as soon as I subscribed, I was like, it's probably not going to be one of those things where I subscribe and suddenly the whole game changes immediately, right? Like, I feel like what's happened is that I have to subscribe to get on Twitter as it was before it became shitty algorithm Twitter where you don't even know how to get in in contact with anybody. So, like, now I'm back into the game of, like, how do I engage with audience? How do I build subscribership? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm seeing how that works. Um, so I think what I might end up doing, so like one of the things that I'm still going to continue to do for free um, is Haunted Home Theater. And I'm planning on bringing that back for like Halloween time, October yeah. probably. I'll probably do Twitter Blue in like late August, September and mm-hmm. start kind of building a little bit more of it because if, it, if it's going to get me more access to that, then that's probably what I'll do. When I think Twitter Blue gives you access to, like, spaces, which is their live streaming thing, and, like... Can you do video lot... on it, though? They're trying to... They're basically trying to make it YouTube in terms of, hmm. how, like, being able to post long videos and stuff. I mean, like, if, they, if, if that... If they make it able to do that, I don't know if I, if it'll be available by then, but... I might be able to simul stream to both YouTube yeah. and Twitter at the same time, and that's probably the avenue I would take. But, like, you were witness to it before. The last time when I did it on the YouTube, I did not expect the YouTube channel chat to go as popping as it was because that yeah. became the predominant place for everybody to chat. I thought everybody was going to watch on YouTube and chat on Twitter, and that's not what happened. You yeah. know what I mean? So. It'll be very interesting, but I'm definitely going to play around with it now just because you said that the engagement has been higher because, you know, in uh, the lulls of depression, I deleted all of my accounts and stuff like that. Yeah. And Twitter was one of them. So I lost the two or three thousand subscribers or followers that I had. Yeah. Um, so I got to kind of rebuild that. Um, 
And if that improves the algorithms, then that's probably the avenue I'll take. It's not very costly, right? It's like eight bucks a month or something. It's eight bucks a month, and then you can also do like if you buy it for a year, you get a discount. I can't, I don't remember yeah, what I it is. I don't need it for but, a year. Fuck it. Um, but the whole to me, the way that I look at the the way that they're trying to structure it is they want to make. I think they're trying to make it all the best of all the different social media platforms and try and stick it in one place. Yeah. We'll see how that works because, you know, the current thing is like, oh, we're going to put limits on how many posts you can read. And then as usual, people are like, oh, well, I quit Twitter. And then they'll be back in a month as usual. (laughs) That I'm not a fan of holding, holding people, users hostage. Sure. Uh, for things that they've gotten for free. And that goes back to our original point of discussion, which this is things that I've gotten for free for the longest time, and now you're taking them away. Yeah. That, as an audience member, bothers me, which is why sure. I feel like if I monetize from the start, I have set the standard in which yeah. my my work is going to be evaluated. And that's I feel also like that's fair and upfront and, and honest with my audience. That's that's also that's, why I'm... In, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I was done. You can... That's also why I've been saying very with some amount of confidence that I think that that is the trend that we're now in the point we're now in this new era of the internet where manufactured scarcity is going to become the trend where it's mm-hmm. like we used to live in an era where everything was just freely flowing and now we're putting up all paywalls and we're putting gates on this and that because yeah. That's the only way that, you know, these companies can figure out how to drive people around, basically, yeah. and create mm, create interest, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I feel like we've touched up, up on a lot of things today, and our listeners are probably a little tired of it, but I, I hope you guys missed us. Um, hopefully, people are going to still listen after a month, two months of, of silence from us, but we did not die. Well, somebody did, but not ever, but, but me and rainwater are still here. Oh <laughs> I'm sorry. I listen. I love my dad. I miss my dad. I sorely miss my dad, but I still have my dark sense of humor and I can't help, but just yeah. joke about it. You know, like it's, it's part of the re it's, it's part of my coping mechanism, I guess we could say. Um, but me and rainwater are still here. Uh, I don't know how often we are going to pod, but we are going to pod as long as Rainwater's down for it. I'm down yeah, for it. for sure. Um, it's just a matter of we're both really kind of starting to get seri- more serious about our work. And, our, you know, I mean, like taking this, valuing this work life that we've created for ourselves and starting to understand the demands that are necessary to have a chance at being successful at it. I'm not saying we're going to be. But that opportunity is dictated by um, a higher demand of our attention and time. And to be honest, it's necessary for this podcast for us to do that because we are an arts podcast. And if we're not exploring new things in our art and doing our art, we're not going to have anything to talk about. And plus, we have no right to talk about it, in my opinion, if we're not doing it you know what i mean like put up or shut up kind of deal yeah so yes the pod might be fewer and far between but it'll be a little bit more worthwhile i think because we're going to be talking more about 
the new experiences that we have. Shit, I can't even wait to start talking about how the AI art game has changed in the last month and a half. <laughs> Fucking generative fill in Adobe Photoshop is a game changer, folks. Because the whole uh, stolen art argument just went out the fucking window uh, with Adobe Firefly. And then on top of that, uh, Rainwater, you were the only one that responded to this, but I knew that you were going to when I posted the tweet about how I was starting to turn the corner against AI art when I realized how impersonal it makes the artist feel about their created works. Do you know what I mean? Because I saw this once where somebody was like, they posted a, a... a mid-journey thing that they'd created and they were like please go ahead and critique this as hard as you can i have a thick skin and it got me thinking i'm like i don't give a shit if somebody like hates on an ai thing that i created because and then i i caught myself thinking it i was like i didn't create it and i was like fuck did i just think that like there's a very it's a very big disconnect between I prompted this versus I took the time to draw that circle and color that dot and da da da. Like it does, there is a difference. And that was a very big moment in my, uh, my opinion for, uh, AI art and everything. And I think that's a topic that we could definitely go an hour on. Yeah. Cause I, I would, I would be, I mean, I would be personally interested to kind of pick your brain about this thought that I think that it, I think that it rubs off on audience too. Like, I think, I mean, there's, there are audiences who just hate AI stuff because they just hate AI stuff, yeah. you know, and it's not political platform told them. To. Yeah. 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 But then I think there is a subtle, more subtle aspect of it where it's like, I think there's just some sort of qualitative aspect to it where it isn't. Like I've been thinking about it is like I think it might be like high fructose corn syrup of art where it's just like this doesn't taste like real sugar, you know, and you mm. can tell. You know what I mean? And I think, yeah, there it loses a little bit of and and like I had said, it it take it makes it impersonal for the artist, but I think it makes yeah. it impersonal for the audience where it's like, oh, the <clears> artist <throat> did not spend days of their weeks of their yeah. life fine tuning and creating like yeah you can adjust prompts and re-roll and all that kind of shit but the 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 dedication and craftsmanship starts becoming more appreciated because and it's like i said this is one of the reasons why everybody tells me all the time they want me to do a podcast where i'm just reviewing movies and i say this all the time there's a fucking pollution of that across the internet that i don't want to attribute to ai art pollutes the 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 sea of art do you know what i mean the fact that an artist used to have to take days or weeks or months out of their life to create a work made that work much more special but it also lowered the amount of art that was released onto the internet so if it's so simple that i can create four different pieces within a minute's time do you know what i mean like that's gonna flood the internet and pollute it the art world the art the art internet if you will um and it's just going to diminish the Well, the most interesting thing that it's done, too, is I think it's just made people really disinterested in, like, realistic art, if that makes sense. Mm. Because it's... Or I should say hyper-realistic. So I think my yeah. point is, is, like, people are no longer interested if you can replicate reality. Because it's like, well, that's... Well, we can, yeah. I think program can do that so easy. Yeah. So now it's about, like, what... What perspective can you show me that I've never seen before? What can you kick, And this has been my argument since the start. AI 
can only recreate what has already been created. Yeah. It cannot create new. It takes elements from different things, which is what artists do do. They take different elements and they, they hodgepodge them together. But it cannot create something new. So if you have a new idea, you are going to elevate your game. But the problem is, as soon as the AI absorbs it, you got to come up with something else new. And creating yeah. newer new things is hard. And it, it, and this is where you have an attribute, Mr. Rainwater, over me by far. And this is meant as a loving compliment. The weirder you can think, the better advantage you have. Yeah, Do you know what true. I'm saying? Yeah, like I'm much yeah. more of a straightforward, ground forward, grounded type artist and storyteller, and that's been done to death. Like that's and and my point of view is like that's classic. But if you can be overly stylized or very out in abstract thinking. Like you have an edge on AI art. Like that's that's really like a strength that you have now. Whereas before it was looked at as odd and off-putting and people are like afraid to put in the time and the work. But now they'll be so bored that they're going to want to put that energy and effort into discovering what a weirder thing means or yeah. find, you know what I mean? Or seeing something they haven't seen before. So that's going to start becoming, and like you said, the, the more surreal something is or the more um, unique that it is that it can't it hasn't been recreated by an AI artist or something that's giving you an advantage so you know what I mean it's a very interesting time in, in my opinion for not only how artists are going to adapt with AI but how audiences will and that's that to me is exciting because who the fuck knows what's going to happen yeah and, and I, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Like, yeah, the, the jobs thing and blah, blah, blah. That's a different discussion. In terms of the culture, the zeitgeist, I am very excited to see what, how the how the world responds. Yeah. And that's just me. But we can go into that on another episode. For this one, I think we'll wrap up. I would like to say thank you to everybody who tuned in, who has not unsubscribed to us and thought that we died <laughs> or, or gave up the podcast. We didn't. Uh, we're just very, very dedicated artists, and uh, I would highly recommend that you go subscribe to Mr. Rainwater's Patreon. Uh, can they just look you up on Patreon at, at Matt J. Rainwater, and they'll find you? It'd be simple just yeah, to do a quick Patreon. search. Yeah, patreon.com slash Matt J. Rainwater. You can find both of us on Twitter. Uh, yep. I'm at the Anjow, and you are Matt Rainwater. Uh, at Matt J. Rainwater. I always forget where the J is. It's not on Instagram, though, right? Right, yeah, yeah, it's different on Instagram. I would say to follow me on Instagram, but I hardly follow or post my art stuff on my Instagram. I have a Instagram for my AI art that I barely ever use, but I would encourage you to follow the Jow Films account on uh, Instagram because that's where you're going to get a lot of info. If Madison's Way is so fortunate enough to get accepted into festivals around, uh, we will be posting there where the screenings will be. So oh, yeah. uh, that's a good way to, to do it, to check it out nice. in the theater with other people and can understand what me and Rainwater are talking about now since, like I said, I do not plan on putting that pu pu puppy on the internet for free. So uh, if you want it, you're not even going to be paying me. You're going to be paying a film festival to go and see it in the theater. Technically, I'm just paying for the chance for a uh, film festival to program it in their festival to be shown <laughs> in a theater. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, here's the yeah. thing, though, and not to drag this on, but... For, to rent a theater, a movie theater, for one screening is like $2,000, right? Yeah. And then I got to sell all the tickets to do it or whatever like that. Whereas 
$50 submission fee as a chance to expand to an audience in all the corners of the world where they might get a chance to see it in a thing or whatever. That's a gamble that I'm willing to take. Like that, that to me is that's marketing fees. You know what I'm yeah, saying? 50 bucks sure. to, yeah. to get a hundred people. And I don't Kazakhstan to fucking watch. I don't care. Yeah. Um, that's why we submitted to a lot of international festivals. I'm hoping we can nice. expand it from just the Connecticut and the United <laughs> States base. But anyway, uh, I have been Jow. He has been Rainwater. Thank you guys for, for tuning in. And again, we, we plan to come back in the near future. I don't know if it'll be next week. Probably not, but maybe. Uh, and that's it. Mr. Rainwater, anything to add before we tag out? That's all. Have a good, good one. Later. <laughs> <laughs>